0: Hello and welcome to our first World Cup preview um, ahead of Qatar 22 uh, and we begin with the Croatian national team, um, driven mainly by the fact that they've had the decency to actually uh, announce their preliminary squad. Um, The full squad itself I think is out on the 9th of November, but the preliminary, so Squad was um, released on Halloween. Um, Now, just to go through how that works, um, because obviously it's slightly different this time around because it's Qatar and so therefore everything's a bit different this time around. Um, Teams are able to select up to 55 players um, in a preliminary selection. And then that goes down to the 26. That's up from 23 uh, ahead of the final tournament itself. I think you have to have those in by the um, 11th or 13th, something like that. Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. <clears throat> but um, Croatia will have theirs is on the 9th. Um, now they've not chosen to use the full 55. I think. From my understanding of what I've been reading in um, media, is essentially there was initially a 55-man selection, which was kept private. That's been trimmed to a 34 selection, which will be trimmed to a 26. The 55 included quite a lot of under-21 talents and uh, a couple of players who played in a recent under-23 selection. I think that was actually against Qatar. last month, like Tonio Teklic, if I've seen. What we've seen now is that we are down to the 34, and there's not really any surprising names in that. And also, I would say that uh, if you know the Croatian national setup, you can probably make a pretty good prediction as to the eight or so names that will be dropping out for a start. Um, Sakodalic has chosen to pick five goalkeepers uh, which obviously will not be how many goalkeepers he takes to Qatar in a couple of weeks time um, so just going through those it's uh, Dominic Livakovic, um, who is the undisputed number one really for Croatia uh, Ivica Ivic, um of Osijek and Ivo Givac of Atletico Madrid and then the other two who were Sort of just here to be in the preliminary squad and are only really going to go if any, if those three get injured. Um, are Pauk Sonikas uh, Dominic Katarski, um, previously of Gorica last season, um, who had him on loan, they made that loan permanent and then flipped him straight away to um Pauk for a very decent profit. Um, and uh, Nedukko uh, Labrovic of Rijeka now. I'd say, you know, it will probably be the case that those last two only have a chance of going if one of the first three gets injured. It's not that um, unlikely. Um, you, you would have said that Hajduk's goalkeeper, uh, Lovra Kalinic, would have been very likely to make this selection. Um, however, in a game this past weekend against Lokomotiva, he blew out his knee and is you know completely out of the World Cup. Certainly won't see him again this year. Um I don't know, don't quite know how serious that particular injury is, but you know obviously it is serious enough to rule him out of selection for the World Cup. Um, so get well soon. Um, when we move forward to the defenders, um just to quickly start off we have um the two big carryovers from 2018, Domagovida, uh, now AK Athens, and Dejan Lovren uh, of Zemit. um Barisic of Rangers, Duye Jalicica of Southampton now, uh, Josip Piranovic of Celtic, Josko Vardiol of uh, Leipzig, Bona Sosa Stuttgart, Josip Stanisic, Bayern München, Marin Pongratic of Lecce, Martin Erlich of sassuolo and Josip Shotalo of Dinamo that's a slightly more interesting mix of players. Um, I think probably it's a little bit harder to pick who's not going to make it out of that one. I would be, if Bonobaric goes, he's going purely as a backup um, and won't see any game time. Um, given that Juranovic can play on the left as well as his, his natural, right-back that right-wing-back position, I don't really see why you use a squad slot on Barisic, to be quite honest, because Boros is you know, undoubted number one. Um, you know, I think maybe two years ago, you had a point where you were thinking, okay, is it Barisic? Is it Sosa? Is it um, Brodaric? And Sosa has made that his own, undoubtedly. Um, I think there will be probably a central defender dropping out. But exactly who I'm not, I I think it's quite hard to pick at this point. In the midfield section, we've got, you will be very surprised to know Luka Modric. Um, Now, Modric, just to to hover over him for a second, there was a story that came out um, that this will be his last tournament. He will retire at the end of the tournament uh, from international football. That is a bit of a, a, a weird story because FIFA, on their FIFA Plus system, have done an interview with several international captains, of which Modric has won, where he referred to it that he thought, you know, oh, you know, this tournament might well be my last one, and people have taken the ball and ran with that. The issue is that the um, interview that's related to it has actually taken – took place in the autumn of 2021 and he's since not given any indication that he wishes to retire at the end of this tournament um and in fact i think it's probably fair to say he's given more of an indication that he intends to carry on after the end of this tournament so we'll see on that but that's just one little story to put the kai on straight away uh, alongside Modric we have Mateo Kovacic of Chelsea, Marcelo Brozovic of Internazionale, Mario Pasalic of Atlanta, Nikola Vlasic of Torino, Luka Ivanasec of Dinamo, uh, Lovro of Rennes, Jan Jakic of Antract, Lucas Sucic of Red Bull Salzburg and Josip Misic of Dinamo. Uh, and yeah. now In terms of who's going to drop out of that particular mix, not that I'm saying he will drop out, but Ivanisek doesn't deserve to be there on his form. And that's not a, you know, sight on his quality. He is a good player. He has, you know, offered things in his 11 caps, but right now, how he's been this season, he shouldn't be going. Um, And then you probably have, a toss-up between Jakic and Misic as to um, who takes a, a particular role there. One of the two won't make it, um, and I think probably Misic. Um, you know, Jakic is just playing at a higher level, if we're quite honest. Um, and again, Misic's form isn't that great. Jakic also has a bit of youth on his side. Um, obviously, you know, again, the, uh, the places that you're talking about with the squad at this point, are very much backups, you know, because none of these people are going to start ahead of Modric, Kovacic, Brozovic, um, Vlasic or Meyer. You know, is absolutely flying at the minute. Modric is god. Kovacic, um, you know, every, again, he's sort of fitted into that slot, and I think at a position where he sort of fitted more than Rakitic did, Brozovic is there. He's going to do you running. He's going to do Everything y- you need. I don't see why you need both Yakich and Miss. If you only need one of them, um, arguably, if at all, if you're being ruthless. Finally, we have the forward line. This is again, what's been listed as forwards by Wikipedia, because the name of the first person is Ivan Perisic, and it's really quite debatable as to whether he's that much of a forward now. Um, you do see seem used. Certainly saw him used quite a bit last season um, at as almost a wing back, really, um, as well as along the forward line. Um I can't say I've kept too much track of what he's been used as at Spurs because I don't watch the EPL. Um <laughs> alongside Berith, you have Andre Krameric, Josip Rakalo, Bruno Petkovic, Misa Vosic, Ante Budimir, Marko and rounding off, Antonio Miko Cholek of Rangers. Um so in terms of who's not making that, Bricalo mm. um is a bit of an interesting one. Because certainly he offers a bit of flexibility um in terms of being able to play all the way up the right, but his form isn't very good. Um and I think you can sort of almost discount him on the same basis that you would discount Ivanesech, you know. Yes he has the quality we know he has the ability to go there and to make an impact but he really doesn't like it look like he would at the minute um and i think particularly as we are in a mid-season world cup and this is something when we get when i get around to doing serbia when pixie announces stuff i certainly will talk about a lot more um you need to pick players who are in form um because you don't have the impact of fatigue so much. You know, you go into end of season World Cup usually and everyone's played 50, 50, you know, if you're at a real top, top club, you maybe played 60 games in the season and naturally you sort of have a baseline and it's about how you are managing that. This time around, you don't have that factor. And if you're having a good three months, then you go um rather than necessarily having that impact at the end of the season that's at least how i look at it you know obviously please feel free to think i'm talking out to my backside um, so yeah i think breckler's um position there is very much up in the air um as to whether or not he goes in terms of the others i personally would not take budimir purely for the same reason as I've just indicated with Rekolo, his form isn't there. Um, And it doesn't justify it to me. Um, But I can sort of see why an argument can be made for taking him because he does offer something different. Um, I'm just not sure he's offering something different very well at the minute. Uh, And finally, Antonio mikko is there because he's in good form at Rangers, but I, I mean... Let's be entirely honest. Um, I would expect everyone who's listening to this to have a, a reasonable connection to knowing what's going on in Croatian domestic football. If you are saying, am I going to take Cholak or am I going to take Levaya? Because that's that's really is the comparison you're making in, in this yeah. particular position. Then I cannot think of anyone <laughs> who would watch hayduk regularly and see his contrib- levai's contribution regularly and think that cholak should be taken ahead of him um you know i appreciate he that cholak is maybe playing at a slightly higher level um i, I debate that particular point i do think croatia is probably a higher level than scotland generally um and you know you can't argue that cholak is in absolutely fantastic form but he doesn't offer as much as Levia does um, outside of just scoring goals. And I also think that with Chalak, any time he's really been asked to take a step up, he's not really taken it. I've, I, I think sort of being that, not to sound too harsh about it, but a domestic bully, which is what he is at Rangers, um, You know, is his level. Um, And, you know, as as we've seen in the Champions League through their entire squad, they haven't been up to it. And, you know, I think as a real gauge of that, you know, they've been picking Morelos ahead of him. Um, And Morelos is seriously out of shape. Um, And I'm being generous there, of course. You know, when you look at um, who Jolak scored his goals against in the Champions League, it's been... Against USG and PSV, it's not been against any of the sides in the actual group stage. And you know, with, with the respect to Union you know, Saint-Gillois and PSV Eindhoven, you know, they're not. They are a level below anything Rangers have faced in the group stage of the Champions League, and they are a level below the top-class international teams that Croatia will want to be considered against. Okay, so that's a few players. I, like I say, that's by no means all eight. I think there are some um, positions which are very much TBD on Zach O'Dalich's, um squad sheet. But, yeah, I think certainly you can probably chalk off four, maybe five, maybe six names. Yeah, I think you can chalk off Cholak. You can definitely chalk off Bracalo. Chalk off. Manusetch, Chalkov, Misic, Chalkov, Gotarski, and Labrovic, and that brings you down to 30. And only four more needed to take taken off. If we say Barisic, that's three more to go. So it's quite it's quite an easy route to 26 there for that squad. And it's a bit of a run-through um of the squad as well. Um serving there for you. Now, in terms of how courage play, I think everyone knows how Croatia play, really, um, it's not something that needs um, a massive amount of talking through because it's not something that's really changed all that much um, over the past few years. You know, with the greatest respect to Zachary Dalic, he is quite dogmatic and he has been quite um, resistant to change. But as we've seen over the you know, most recent Nations League period, um, he has been able to offer a little bit of flexibility, and I think really that flexibility probably comes out of the Spain game in which Croatia were knocked out at the Euros, which sort of showed that maybe you know just trying to contain just it just doesn't work um, as much as he thought it did. Um, you know, during Euro twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, Croatia weren't a very good side to watch until that final game, until they opened up and until you know they did what they needed to do. You know, they were playing that proper four two five, sorry, four two five, four two three one all the time, and that's now a proper four three three with Modric just doing what he does kovacic just doing what he does and brozovic doing the running um and that is something where they do have a bit of tactical flexibility um within it you know they can go three at the back but i think if we're looking at the most recent games you know they were playing that 433 three, um in the win against austria um if we move to their uh, win in the nations league over Denmark we're talking about that same 433 and pretty much the same selection as well um so you know we can sort of see that the 433 he's stumbled upon is something that they can use against sides of you know different qualities Austria obviously still a very decent side um but they aren't they ain't no Denmark are they um and you know, the same if we go to the game before that, we look at the summer game against France. Again, it was that 4-3-3 with Modric and Kovacic just ahead of Brozovic. Um, in that instance, it was Budimir up front because they wanted you know a big old battering ram. Um, it tends not to be Budimir, you know, it's normally Um I think Petkovic probably has a decent chance getting in just in terms of the form he's in. So before we get into talking about the group itself, um, there is one friendly between here and the start of the group, which is uh, in Riyadh, um, as Croatia take on Saudi Arabia. And then we get into the fun bits, uh, the actual World Cup itself, with Croatia's first game against Morocco on the 23rd of November. Then um, they take on Canada on the 27th of November, and finally, Uh, they round the group off against Belgium on the 1st of December because December's when we have World Cups now. Um, Unlike the um, predictors of Yahoo, um, I'm not going to predict that Croatia are going to finish bottom of the group and being knocked out by a Canada who are... Progressing. Yeah, that was a really weird um, World Cup prediction that um, they put out. I think it probably should be added. They did seven reasonably normal groups, and then just decided to smoke some some thing, some psychoactive substances before trying to predict um, the <laughs> Croatia's group because there's no way it it finishes like that. Um, if we talk about the other sides in Croatia's group. First of all, um, just in terms of their individual chances, I think obviously people will be most keen to see Belgium. However, um, I did just before recording this, I did see that um, Romelo Lukaku is injured and potentially a, a doubt for the World Cup um, because Inter brought him back too quickly from injury. So that um, may play into something that I'll mention in a moment. <laughs> But if we go through it um, game by game, obviously so start off with Morocco. Um, Morocco come into this in um, a bit of a state, really. Um, I don't think it's too unfair to say that. Um, their qualification was assured by Vahid um obviously legend of um, football in the region in this in our region shall we say um and you know we were able to do that reason in a reasonably assured manner and did pretty well in the uh combinations as well uh, in 2021 now the rumor is that uh, sort of behind the scenes all was not well um with Harold um, specifically that no one liked him, um, which isn't the first time he's run into that particular issue. Um, we were talking specifically about what the future of the side would be post-World Cup, um, but for the third, it resulted in, for the third time, Halil being dropped by a national team right before a World Cup with Japan and Ivory Coast having done it previously. Um all because of his lovely personality. Um so it's going to be quite difficult to get a fix on them. Um the new manager is Walid Rikwag- Um I apologize for the pronunciation, whose um managerial sense has primarily been uh, in that region. Um Fuss Rabat. Al-Duhail and Widad. Um, Now, he did win the uh, Asian Champions League this time around uh, in in 2022, and obviously from there got promoted to the national team job. But it's quite difficult to really know um, what to think of a guy when he's not had that much time with the squad. And, you know, we don't really have that much in terms of games to really analyse how he's going to approach um, the squad, what I think it is fairly confident to, what I think he can fairly confidently say is that sacking manager the month a couple of months before a World Cup isn't a very good idea. Um, albeit, Saka was similarly new to the role um, when he obviously did all that in 2018 in terms of their uh most recent friendlies um those were against chile and paraguay so again two sides who aren't at the world cup and they beat chile 2-0 and drew nil nil against paraguay which that's quite a worrying sign because paraguay are not very good at the minute um but yes, I mean, I think really with Morocco, it's the them being the first game is the worst game to have really purely because it's quite hard to actually know how they're going to prep, um, and they obviously do have you know some very good players within the squad, and um, not least Ashraf Hakimi, um, but you know aside from that you have Sofiane Amrabat um, and Hakim Ziyech. You know there are some quality players there. I think if we're honest, Croatia should be beating them. Um for quite aside from the reasons I've already uh, mentioned. Um this is a side that ain't really that good. Um or at least isn't good isn't that good compared to um the Croatian squad. Canada is an interesting one. Um but I think with Canada, they stormed out the gates of local qualifying. Um, you know, Obviously, we saw them beat Costa Rica, beat Mexico, um, beat the US. Then as the um, campaign went on, they started to run out of steam. And you know, obviously losing to uh, Costa Rica and San Jose, losing to Panama in Panama. Um, and then in their recent friendlies, they lost 2-0 to Uruguay and beat Qatar 2-0. Now, it's probably fair to, to point out that Qatar have basically spent the this period of them only being able to play friendlies being battered, you know, 4-5-0 each time. So for Canada only to beat them 2-0, um, probably tells you that Canada aren't that great. They do have absolutely plenty of energy in the side. You know, obviously, you've got Alfonso Davis is the, by far the most notable name within that particular squad. It, and Jonathan David as a very... Sorry, Jonathan David and Carl Lahren as two <laughs> very effective scorers. But you've got to also remember that, that while they are scoring at good rates at international level, a little bit of that is padded by playing sides such as um, the likes of Croatia in the CONCACAF Nations League. Um, so yes, when you are playing random Caribbean islands, then sometimes your goals ratio is going to be to pick up a little bit more than it should. Um, I would be very surprised if Canada don't give a good account of themselves against Croatia. Um, but you know, their their weak part of their squad is their midfield and it's really 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 difficult to see how um they are going to be able to have any sort of control over the game against Croatia given how the two sides line up short of playing kick and rush um and yes <laughs> sorry calendar Belgium are an interesting one obviously it, it mentioned um the Kaku dropping out. I think it's also really fair to say Belgium are dropping off. Now there have been some very impressive results and um, this year, not least beating Poland 6-1. Um, but the Dutch beat them 4-1. The Dutch beat well, the Dutch played them twice in the nation, so you can beat them both times. Wales drew against them. Um and there's enough there to think that there should be really some hope for Croatia of actually being able to beat this Belgian side. Um, You know, while they are undoubtedly still extremely high-quality side, they are a high-quality old side. Um, Now, no one should really be talking um, too much from a Croatian perspective about um, age being a factor, given that, um, obviously, um, the centre of the park for Croatia is entirely occupied by um, an ageless genius. But having the ageing process being particularly harsh at the back, um, you know, when we're talking about still in 2022 picking uh, Alderweireld and Vertonghen. Alderweireld is 33 and now Antwerp, Vertonghen is 35 and now Anderlecht. They're not in top really top European leagues anymore Um, and they have not got the pace anymore and you can certainly see how they can be beaten there's absolutely no doubt about that because there aren't the quality centre-backs to replace either of them Now, to be fair it's hard to completely um, rule out a side that happens to have Kevin De Bruyne in the midfield Um, but again, you know (laughs) Their names are going out, and Belgium's chance to win major tournaments was, well, let's be quite honest, it was 2018. Um, 2022 will probably be a tournament too far for them. Um, I say particularly if you uh, are saying they're coming to it without Lukaku. And, you know, you have forwards who haven't necessarily done it at the highest level or um, forwards who are um, a little bit over the hill, shall we say? Um, you know, thirty-five-year-old Dries Mertens, thirty-one-year-old uh, Eden Hazard. Um, if I dare describe him as over the hill, um, I'm sure he will choose to um, put a performance on that will defy me now. But yes, I think I think they're the side you want to face third, um, purely because the because of their squad makeup they will look to try and get qualified in those first two games and then hopefully they won't have too much to do in in the final one and be rotating um i think certainly if you're talking about the top seeds in the entire tournament short of getting um well sorry because i weren't a top seed there was sort of a protected seed but of the top seeds that um croatia could have not, um, then you know, Belgium are certainly the ones you wanted to get um, in terms of where they are in their cycle, um, perhaps even more so than Portugal. So, what are the realistic expectations of Croatia this time around? Um, I don't think there's... I think if you put on paper the squad that went to Russia and went to the world cup final and you put on paper, the squad that's going to Qatar, you would probably pick the one that's going to Qatar as the one with the best chance of going further into a world cup in 2018. Um, they felt like a side in a bit of transition really. Um, which is quite a weird thing to say because there's not that, Massive A-generational personnel change um, between the squad then and the squad now. Um, but all you've really... The positions you've had change majorly are goalkeeper. Um, and I don't really think there's too many people who would deny that uh, Dominik Livakovic and probably Ivica Ivić Ivisic are better keepers in 2022 than Daniel Subasic was in 2018. You'd be mentioning about left back. Uh, you know, left back, they uh, took Ivan Strinic and uh, Jus Um Both you know, w- were fine players, but it was clearly the weakest link or the weakest outfield position of the entire side. There is no doubt that Borna Sosa definitely is a better player than both of those two were at that point. Um, the position you would probably talk about as having maybe gone down a bit would be right back but you know is 2018 Shimeirosalco so much better than 2022 probably Yusupiranovic that 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 quality gap is greater than the difference between Strinich slash Pivaric and Sosa no it's not it's still a net positive positive. Um, if you're talking about the centre-backs you know you have Lovren Vida both those come to the World Cup and are able there to offer experience but then you also have Yosko Gavardio having come through and Yosko Gavardio is one of the best defenders in the world full stop um, so again that is a definite definite upgrade if you are talking about the midfield, and it's much the same personnel, um, Brozovic is in his prime now. Rakitic obviously is no longer there, but the emergence of Kovacic um, makes up for that, I think it's fair to say. Because Rakitic, while an absolutely brilliant player, never really, and, and, and you know, with the best will in the world, never really produced his best form for the national team. Um, and when you look at the backups that they took uh, then, you know, the backups were Philip Predaric of Rijeka and Milan Bedelia of Fiorentina in midfield. Well, you know, I, again, I don't really think I have to uh, explain too much why they're better off now. Um, but, you know, you would definitely want to be in the position where you're able to take another top class Creative player in lo- which you have now in and Maya, um and another top class dynamic mid-builder in Mario Pastelic. And you're know, between Jakic and Misic, whoever goes, you have another high class backup um, for Brozovic, which are things that Croatia didn't have in 2018. The final position is obviously up front. Um, and that they no longer have Mario Mandzukic but Andrey Kramaric has stepped up of late uh, in terms of his personal scoring record for the national team, he has become a more effective player, um, no doubt about that Bruno Pekovic has if he's on form um, which is always a pretty big ask with Pekovic, if he is on form, he is unplayable um i I, you know i think any side would fear him um and you know the same really applies for the buyer um as well you know you maybe have a bit less in terms of the top line first choice striker but there's more there in depth um you know 2018 Cramrich did nothing at the World Cup and hadn't really done that much for the national team before. He's done more now. Nikola Kalinic, say no more. Um, and in terms of difference makers who can come from the bench, you know, obviously you have um, Mislav Osic there now, who you didn't four years ago, and again, that's a lot of running Orsic can put in. And, okay, you have uh, a player in Ante Rebic who's on the outs, but having... Revitch there and the potential personality issues that that would cause, as we've seen over the past 12 to 18 months, um, you'd rather take Osage. Um, and Osage is there on merit, not just because Revich has ruled himself out through um, being silly, shall we say. So to put that into something very short, the 2022 squad as a whole is better than 2018 the issue however is that in 2018 the stars aligned and i don't think we can really pretend that they didn't um at least not credibly (laughs) let's be honest um you know you're talking about a knockout stage where on croatia's side of the draw you had Three major sides. Spain, obviously, got knocked out in the last 16 and didn't go on to face Croatia in the quarterfinal. And Croatia, obviously, went on to beat their uh, conquerors. Russia, in, in that quarterfinal, where they won on penalty, where Croatia won on penalties. And England, who absolutely chucked it, let's be quite honest, um, in an all-timer bad managerial performance in that semi-final. And Croatia could have done something uh, against France. Um, I think I, so perhaps I think it was Michael Cox on social media who put it best that 2018 was just a bit of a weird anomaly World Cup final. Um, When he was going through, you know, there hasn't been a proper entertaining World Cup final since I think 1998 was what he had come out with. Well, you know, 2018 was certainly an entertaining game, albeit. Certain aspects of it made an extremely frustrating one. Um, <clears throat> my point being that Croatia's side of the draw was it opened up for them. There's no doubt about that. You know, you look at the other side of the draw, you had Portugal, France, Argentina, Brazil, Belgium. And those are all scary sides. And those are all sides that easily could have knocked Croatia out um before reaching the final. So we have to work on the assumption that the stars are not going to align again and i think it's fair to do that so with that in mind we'll talk about who Croatia could face in that last 16 game and if you look at group b which is spain costa rica germany and japan it comes out with you saying that this that really Croatia need to win their group um, to avoid playing Spain or Germany. Now, it is my personal consideration that Japan will qualify from that group because Japan are really good and I think (laughs) Germany aren't quite far along enough in their development to always put in a very good performance. Spain just have this beautiful ability to absolutely frustrate the hell out of you um, when you watch them play um, on occasion because they have all the attacking talents in the world but they are drilled into the manner of playing from their era of dominance of 2020 uh, of uh, 2008 to 2014 and if we're honest they haven't in the past year they haven't really played that many good sides um those they have you know they lost um in the last round of nations league games switzerland beat them in zaragoza um and switzerland are probably the best side they faced over the past 12 months um yes they faced portugal twice as well but Switzerland is still the best side they faced over the past 12 months, um, <laughs> which I, says a lot about my opinion of Portugal more than it does of Switzerland. My point being that um, both Germany and Japan are probably a step, step up from most of what they've played over the past year. And um, it's very imaginable to see Japan getting a result against either Germany or Spain, and therefore knocking one of the two out. Anyway. My point is, you want to win Group F, um, because that is going to assure you um, probably Japan in the last 16, which is, of course, a better draw than anything you could face, anything you could get if you were runner-up in that group. If you were runner-up in that group, you face the winners, and you go into the opposite side of the draw. And that ties you up realistically, Against a quarterfinal against probably Brazil, and a semifinal against probably the Dutch. Um, maybe yeah, probably the Dutch. So you don't want that. I think I think we're fairly safe to say if you win the group, you are likely to get I would say Japan, and then maybe Portugal, and that is a much easier path to the semifinals. Um, so I think that's where. Croatia's expectations lie for me. Win the, win the group, and this is a side that can and probably will reach the semifinals. Lose the group, this is a side that will probably depart at the last 16. And that's their variance in performance. It is very, very difficult to imagine a scenario in which Croatia will not qualify that from the group, even if Yahoo can. This is why no one use, uses Yahoo. Um, <laughs> Let's be quite honest. Um, all in all, um, you know, I I think I hope I've striven to provide a fairly balanced um, look at Croatia's chances. You know, I, I think this is quite a difficult World Cup to call. Um, in terms of there being quite a, there being quite a lot of contenders for it. You know, even I think a lot of people who call on the obvious teams like France, Spain, you know, they're all fine teams, but they're all teams you can put a big red mark against um, as having a really compelling reason to not back them to deliver. Um, And this is ultimately the thing: you have to deliver consistently for a month. Do anyone ever watch? Has anyone watched France over the past four years and thought this is a Skype that's going to deliver consistently over a month again? No, they haven't. The same with Spain. The, Germany is on the fence a bit there. Brazil, Argentina, I think they, they probably come in the strongest actually. Um, you know, My own personal uh, tip is Argentina. Um, but anyway, <laughs> that's getting away from Croatia just a, a little bit. It won't be England. It, England definitely won't win the World Cup. Um, thank God. Um, so that's that. Really, for the Croatian side, you know, I, I, as I say, the destiny of their World Cup depends very much on how they approach the group. Getting those six points on the board straight away. Against Morocco and Canada, which they should do, is going to be essential for getting them beyond the last sixteen. Um, you know, really, they can beat Belgium in that last game, and they have they have to treat that almost as an extension of a knockout game because of the impact it will have on the draw. Probably, <laughs> um, you say probably because obviously, in, um, by the 1st of December, when that third game is actually played, um, we'll know broadly um, where exactly the draw for everyone is going to have laid out. Um, But, yes, I think if they win the group, then that sets us up potentially for a quarterfinal against Serbia as well. Um, (laughs) Which, let's let's be quite honest, it's one of those things everyone who's a supporter of football very quietly would like to see, but very publicly you have to say, well, you know, we don't want to see that sort of thing. It, it, it's kind of like watching when you when you see a fight between players. Like it's not the scenes you want to see at the football, but secretly you're just inside like, yeah, come on. Um it as the inner caveman within you sort of wishes that football becomes that NHL sport where with you know proper rules around the fights. Anyway. <laughs> that particular um, aside noted and all my credibility shot I will leave you there for now Um, as always thank you very much for taking the time to listen if you'd like to listen to the most recent um, timeline that was only released a couple of days ago it was about international football as well it was about Slovenia between 1998 and 2002 their run at that particular World Cup and how it all completely blew up in their faces it's um, a great listen, uh, and I've actually had um, comments from uh, some great people who say that it's good. Um, and I'm not being entirely facetious by saying that. Um, <laughs> that uh, uh, People who I think are good writers come out and say, oh, you know, that was a really interesting listen, so thank you to those people. Um, but yes, do go and listen to that in the future. <laughs> Obviously, the next thing will be the Serbia preview which we will have when uh, pixie decides to stop being tricky and give us a squad um we'll see with that um but um there are a few things that might change that uh, <laughs> i won't go any further into that already but um yeah there's <laughs> There's bits of weirdness going on there because it's Serbian football and there's always bits of weirdness going on there. We don't have a squad yet. We don't even have a preliminary squad yet. When we've got a preliminary squad, probably a day or a couple of days after, I'll have an episode on it. Um, But it's hopefully of similar Titanic length because we've gone on 45 minutes here um, about the chances of uh, the Serbian national team in the World Cup. Expect many mentions of the Swiss in that particular episode um all in all then i will just end with the usual if you've enjoyed this episode please do leave a review on your chosen podcast service um they all feed into algorithms somewhere and do something good i assume um sharing is caring if there is someone you think would enjoy this episode tell them please um and um and they might enjoy it and stay to listen to more uh, of my utter nonsense um so i say next time up will be our preview of the serbian national team's chances at the world cup then um we'll probably be at a point where we're doing half-term reports for the domestic Mm -hmm. leagues spoiler alert if your team name has the word garycha in it you're not coming out of it very well Thank you very much for listening, and I will catch you next time.